Hello, this is Kim Clark Paxtis, and I'm happy to be hosting the Human and Capital series uh, for the Workforce Show today. This is one of a three-part series on conversations with thought leaders in the area of human capital. And uh, in the series, we'll talk about the talent and organizational challenges that are facing businesses today. And... Um, be able to go a little bit deeper on a couple of topics. Today's topic is innovation and agility and what does HR do in dealing with um, the disruptions that business is providing and specifically talking about what um, three areas uh, we can explore a little bit deeper than that. And uh, I am uh, the managing partner with Human with uh, Strategic Organization Solutions, and I am here today with Anna Tavis, who is the Executive Editor of People and Strategy Journal. She's also faculty at NYU, and she has been a lead, the head of talent for AIG and IKEA in the past. It's good to have you today, Anna. How are you? Thank you. Happy to be here. Great. And to full disclosure, Anna and I worked together on a project several years ago, and uh, so we enjoy doing a bit of collaboration and hope that you'll find this to be an, a, a valuable conversation and not only just a talking, uh, talking headpiece, but we do want to uh, leverage uh, Anna's experience and uh, go from there. So today, we're really going to talk about agility and how do you keep pace with the disruptions. Um, what are the trends and what's the impact for HR? And one of the things that Anna has been working on um, that I think is really exciting with the concept of agility and innovation and how HR teams can keep pace is really looking at the elements within the people systems, the processes, and tools that you can use to help the organization uh, maintain the strategies and uh, deploy things that are in the moment for the organization, regardless of where they are in a generational or a, um, a business challenge. And uh, specifically, you've talked about socialization and um, the need for people to look at um, brand reputation um, within the uh, life cycle of, of human So Anna's going to talk a little bit about um, concepts in the changing the, the, the changing economic situations around socialization and the importance of reputation in the work. So, Anna, I'll let you talk a little bit about what disruption means to um, the HR team and how that can affect um, recruiting. Okay. I mean, first of all, before we get to recruiting, let me just um, start out by saying that uh, the major disruption at the same time, the innovation that's coming in, is the socialization of the workplace. And I would take it beyond HR, but today we're going to focus on HR so that we understand what human capital professionals can do internally in their organization to um, welcome the innovation at the same time as help their clients, their business clients, um, cross that bridge and come over to uh, the new economy that is going to be basically, in my view, um, socially based. What I mean by that is the, um, um, is the introduction of um, um, social media, social uh, space in all 
processes and uh, practices of HR. And to your point, uh, we're going to, I think, go through a few of those core processes in our organization, but I want to start with recruitment. Um, on the maturity curve, uh, you can plot different uh, HR processes um, in, in the organization uh, along the lines of their readiness in their acceptance of this new social space. And I would say that a recruitment is probably the most advanced. As you all know, that um, part of it was accelerated through um, the uh, 2008 financial crisis, but uh, most organizations have moved to um, social recruitment platforms. Um, uh, some of the most familiar names are uh, LinkedIn, obviously, and Facebook. Uh, but we're seeing, um, we're seeing trends that indicate that the um, social recruitment is going to get a lot more specific, personalized, and targeted with the emergence of companies, recruitment companies that uh, target specific talent pools. For example, the, the obviously um, the most advanced is um, the developer space. Um, where companies are looking for, uh, you know, web, web developers, social media, marketing experts, et cetera. Those people are most equipped to be, um, um, to be gathering in the social spaces that are available to us. So, uh, so in that, um, in that sense, um, uh, recruitment on, through social media is, um, accelerating very fast. Uh, through that personalization, customization of, of um, uh, talent pools. At the same time, there's an, another interesting phenomenon that's happening, and that is where um, you become known to the companies through your footprint on social media. So it's not that uh, it's not only that you go out there and look for available um, uh, employment opportunities by posting your resumes, et cetera, et cetera, as it used to be, but the companies are proactively tracking even passive candidates through um, the big data um, phenomenon where they are able to uh, calculate your footprint, um, your presence, your comments, your um, um, traffic overall um, in the cyberspace and therefore create profiles and understand your profile um, that is most um, uh, fit to the culture, to the job, to the uh, specific assignment that they're looking to fill. So, Anna, so, does that mean that um, individuals who are out there in the cyber world are putting a footprint out that they may not even be thinking about and so they could negatively or positively impact their future career potential? Absolutely. You are absolutely on it. And uh, the underlying uh, trend there, it goes by far beyond the workplace and what I call uh, consumerization, consumerization of, um, of our lives. And that is through big data, through companies, um, retail going online, um, our purchasing, our uh, banking, our um, credit, Everything that goes um, into that big data pool is 
what it's creating is is this um, profile of ours that we have no control just by sh by mere fact that we are out there active and doing what we would be doing anyway, uh, purchasing groceries, buying homes, um, contacting our doctors, et cetera, et cetera. All of it is now being recorded. And the same applies to your career and your job search and, and your professional status. That is all recorded. So companies have access to that information without actually having to see you or call up your contacts, et cetera, et cetera. That reputation is um, somewhat out of control for us. So, so that's, um, that's where we are. So in, in the very near future, I would imagine the need for self-designed resumes is going to go away because um, that footprint, as I described, is going to be uh, available whether you uh, want it or not. Obviously, um, this is where training in social media, understanding what it does, understanding what all of your activities online uh, actually mean to you and your reputation and your brand is going to be uh, a very critical and ability to manage it is going to be even more important um, than, um, than just uh, uh, resume writing skills that are still pretty prevalent um, around here. So anyway, um, so the, the two trends, innovative trends, breaking through, um, you know, the traditional ways of conducting a business, of moving talent in and out of organizations, are being challenged through this consumerization, personalization, and socialization of the talent space. So are there trends because of what's happening on the end user phase? So how we interface with our phones, there's an app for that kind of a, a mindset. Is that driving the um, requirements of how an HR team should be dealing with those people who are inward bound into their organization? And is that, re is that reflective of the types of tools and responses that you're seeing in organizations to deal with those people who are interested in being part of the organization, kind of part A of the question, and then part B, what then does an organization, a recruiting uh, group, for example, how do they deal with all of this data and determine who's going to be the best person for their organization? Okay, the a mega trend that we are seeing, again, to kind of put it in the context, is if before companies could totally control information and individuals could control and shape information about themselves that is being presented to the employer. The same thing for the employer, uh, what they told the um, incumbent um, about themselves was what, they, what was heard about the company, et cetera. All of this is being challenged, disrupted uh, through the availability of um, through the availability of that social um, footprint that we create. And therefore, we are now in the process of, um, you know, trying to understand what, uh, what it all means. We're by far not there yet and uh, by far not prepared. The organizations are not prepared to deal with this phenomenon. Um, but we're learning, and some companies are obviously better at this than others, and I would say that um, technology firms are probably better equipped to understand what's, uh, what's happening as well as marketing and, um, uh, marketing and communications professionals. Um, so what um, is becoming clear is that we are moving into the space of 
um, reputation, economy, and um, um, personal branding, and the um, uh, purpose economy that these terms are beginning to emerge that are replacing what was known as the information economy and the industrial economy. Do you have any two words or three words of advice to uh, those folks who are in the talent departments, those recruiters out there who are having to manage these changes? Are there some simple things that they can do to wrap their arms around it so that they're prepared and are able to better perform? Uh, I think the first thing I would say is this trend is here to stay. In fact, it's going to accelerate. So uh, hiding behind the closed doors of the offices, um, um, the, the chief recruiting offices of the companies is probably the, lo the wrong strategy because it's a groundswell that's going to overwhelm all of us. Um, and the other thing is... Um, just to be on, on, you know, ongoing learners and be current on those trends, uh, participate in that economy rather than stay away from it. And very often, just anecdotally, um, I hear from senior HR professionals and some of the, you know, key players in the profession still that they shy away from what they call exposure. Um, they don't have their profiles up there. They really don't want to participate. And I would say that um, that's probably not the right strategy. You, everyone will have to participate, but participate intelligently. Um, and, and what the tricks are and what the competencies are is we're in the process of developing what this will look like going forward. Great. Well, thanks. Well, if we think about as we move in the overall, you know, kind of life cycle of the employee or the employment experience within an organization, Kind of the next phase once we bring that talent into the organization is managing them. And I know there are a lot of similar type trends in performance management. So do you want to take a minute or two and share some of the things that you're seeing there and how brand and social affect that as well? I would say that that is a much more complex area and is a lot less open and developed at this point than recruitment. Um, the, um, what makes recruitment so um, innovative is the fact that it has to interface with external markets, competitors, etc. So it's playing in a much bigger um, pool of um, companies and uh, even though internally the uh, organization may be conservative, but by going out there and trying to recruit, they participate in a bigger economy. Performance management tends to be more internally bound and therefore, it takes much slower to um, change. Uh, the other thing is performance management is so closely integrated with the unique business, business process of the organization, the whole business um, strategy, et cetera, that um, it is uh, quite unique and not very easy um, to change or flex around some of the trends that may appear to be somewhat of a hype. The trend that I would um, single out as the leading one in the performance management space is the uh, what became known as the 360 or multi-reader review. Um, clearly, um, what um, the social media is allowing us to do is to collect feedback on performance that is going to break out of this one single top-down manager assessment. 
um, of the performance of an individual, but more allow other inputs into the process, which um, definitely democratizes the whole conversation and makes it um, from whether it's objective or not, and how a reputation plays into it. Um, it's definitely a um, still um, being discussed, but um, but it is um, something that we are uh, tracking in the performance management space. Are there implications to the? And this may be stepping slightly outside of of the of the comfort zone where you've been talking, but I'm just curious with the, the legal ramifications. Performance appraisals have always been used as one of those legal documents to help people, you know, manage the performance and deal with the great players and move them up and document any performance issues if you need to move people out. Does this broader reputation-based, more interactive tools, more information from other people, is that open, is that more or less risky for the organization? Um, I think there are two, in addition to legal, I would add uh, compensation considerations that um, in a lot of companies, performance management is closely linked with um, compensation process. And that's where it becomes, um, it becomes somewhat um, uh, challenging to um, realign those processes based exclusively on um, on the input and um, uh, the other thing on the multiple inputs from um, different stakeholders in an individual's performance. That's one thing. The other, the other thing is, um, I think it only helps um, the legal uh, process, as it were, to make it more fair because of uh, the broad collection sample that you take rather than, again, individual manager's decision um, around how the individual actually performs. Um, once again, I would say that on the maturity curve, uh, changing performance management is going to be the most challenging part, and that's where a lot of companies are right now paying their attention to because um, they need to understand the deeper implications of what's happening and the kinds of tools that are available. And I'll just have to throw in a few um, plugs for technology again. We are getting social tools that are going to be able to help with that process, but they are in much earlier beta versions of development than social recruitment tools, for example. I was um, working with an organization not too long ago that was um, talking about adding a, a multi-rater feedback kind of a system where it simply was you hit, it was almost like a, um, a Facebook application that um, you went in and you were friends with people in the organization and you would give them smiley faces or frowny faces based on the interaction that you had had with them you know, in um, your day-to-day -day dealings with either their service or how they provided the quality of product to you. And I thought that was an interesting um, perspective. They hadn't figured out how to take that and move it into their overall performance appraisal system, but it was a way to provide immediate feedback to um, people in their organization. Have you seen things like that, or are there are those kind of trends emerging, or are those one-offs in different organizations? No, 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 absolutely. That's a huge trend, and that's exactly where reputational economy and brand building comes into play. You see um, 
these types of badging, um, you know, what we know from Facebook and LinkedIn, endorsements and likes that people click. Um, there is a company that I've been closely watching that is also getting um, a, a reputation for providing that service to the companies, and that's Badgeville. And there are different ways of immediate, in-the-moment um, in recognition that is being placed um, in different assessment systems that exist in companies. So that is different and definitely a trend. But I think where it um, helps most is, again, on the rewards, broader um, uh, reward side, as well as developmentally, by providing this feedback more so than in the performance process, performance appraisal process, which is kind of uh, antiquated in a way that it is a snapshot in um, in the kind of the fluid performance career process. That's where oftentimes, as you're probably aware, performance and development have uh, been kind of had that tension between the two of those conversations that are happening at the same time, whether it is performance evaluation or developmental feedback and how do we handle both. So I think that this is a time with socialization of feedback, with um, broadening of the um, of the um, input um, on the performance, et cetera. That's where that conversation is going to be even more intense. And my bet is that um, development is going to win in this battle, and we will have to find other ways in which we are going to be, to your point, um, introducing this kind of legal measures, uh, rifting people from the organizations, letting them go, et cetera. Um, some of these traditional processes that HR has been called upon to perform are going to be uh, transforming. And, uh, but that hasn't been affected through this whole new economy um, surge or groundswell that I'm describing. This right. is traditional HR practice that has so far remained as it is, but I'm sure that eventually down the road there will be some changes, um, the domino effect that will influence how we, uh, you know, how we select um, uh, talent and who stays and who goes. Sure. And um, on that, I mean, do you have any, any thoughts, any you know, suggestions, any great tips for how to help um, those folks who are currently in these roles now transform a performance management system, maybe not all the way that can be, um, you know, stand up in court, but to help their organization better align the talent and better give feedback so that the, um, the, the managers can get the desired capability um, in a time when, you know, you may not have all of the capacity that you want, either because you are on a budget constraint or you just don't have enough bodies to get it done. How can you, how can HR help these managers get the best out of the talent they have? Um, you know, I think where the battle is being fought right now in organizations is really around engagement and uh, productivity that is not based on sweatshops and people are slaving away for many hours, et cetera, but the whole concept of happy employees, wellness, organizational wellness, as well as um, um, degree of engagement. I think that that's where the companies are going to compete for uh, rather than 
fewer headcount capacity, as we've seen before. Because what we know for a fact, and there's more and more science that's coming to prove that point, that happy employees are um, by far exceed in, uh, in their performance anyone who may be just as capable but disengaged. Um, so I think that that's where investments are, are being made right now by companies who really want to compete and win in the new economy. Well, I think that's a fabulous segue to talking about the uh, the trends in learning and people development because that's all about investing and making sure that you've got the right people and, and engaged people to make that investment. What's going on there that people should be aware about aware of? Learning. Um, yeah. I think we're in learning again, along with um, recruitment. This is most advanced part, most connected to the external world and socialized and personalized and uh, consumerized to, to a certain extent. And that is um, on demand, learning on demand. It's um, learner-centered and it's gamified, I would think. Those three, three trends we're tracking and they're going to be uh, shaping the way companies do their learning. So a personalized on-demand so you learn, it's continuous learning. It's not a once a year you go to a class. You have to um, knowledge transfer, um, get new skills, solve problems in the moment, and there will be apps, there will be other social media tools available, as well as um, extensive network um, of uh, people who have those skills and coaching and mentoring on demand. We're learning these fast learning skills, um, and that's something that um, is gaining momentum in organizations, replacing traditional corporate universities with um, traditional curricula and the stand-up training. So that's, that's going away. Uh, the other thing is personalized. It's how the learner, there's a lot of, like there's not a, single iPhone that is the same as the other one because people as consumers can um, can uh, personalize their tools. So the same thing will happen with a um, the same thing the same thing will happen with a uh, with a um, learning tools as well. They they're going to be all personalized and um, adjusted to people's individual ways of learning. And finally, um, it is the um, gamification. So learning is going to be much more fun, uh, and the, the gamification tools are, you know, going to overwhelm um, <coughs> the um, the learning space. And this is how people are going to work, and people are going to learn. It's going to be through um, games, through uh, engagement, through a fun way of um, achieving my goals. And do you see any generational challenges with this being the wave of development going forward? Is Are there any pushback from people in the older generation or is there um, more desire to learn more and want to do more learning than performing from the younger generation? Or how are you seeing that integrated in, as uh, organizations take on new ways of of engaging and, and helping their organizations develop kind of in a 
real-time on-demand cycle. So it's not just you're going to a class. You're learning on the job any chance you get. Of course, we can, you know, uh, say that um, older generations are less equipped and less prepared, um, but I don't think that it's an individual uh, capacity for learning. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be um, discriminating or just saying that older generation is less willing um, to participate. In fact, the largest demographics signing up for social media tools, et cetera, is the baby boomers. Um, they're willing to spend the money to learn, et cetera, et cetera. Um, obviously, those skills are going to come as a, as a new learned skills rather than intuitively as they are um, learned by the newcomers into the, into the workplace. So, um, and there will be a lot of reverse mentoring and reverse coaching in the workplace where younger people coming in will be retraining their managers and managing older people. So there's going to be an interesting blend, um, demographic blend in the workplace where people coming in will be more knowledgeable about these new tools and um, and um, ways of working than people who are actually in the workplace now. Um, one of the challenges that uh, I've heard recently, and in fact we did a, um, a call-in just uh, earlier this week, and one of the biggest uh, concerns of COOs and leaders in the community was the ability for people to have the interpersonal skills and the leadership skills and the communication skills that they needed to be successful. How do you see the mobile tools and the gamification adding to those capabilities and um, will that be able to accelerate the development of skill there? I actually don't think that uh it's, there's much of a change. I think there's always been a challenge around leadership skills, whether it was hierarchy that kept people away from being engaging, motivate, good motivators um, of people and, uh, and uh, uh, emotional intelligence managers, or it's the tools. Uh, I don't think that the ratios have changed. I think it's just, again, it's kind of a bias that we bring in from the older perspective. I don't think I think hierarchy kept people away from being good leaders as much as now the tools create some some of a challenge, somewhat of a challenge. So I would say that leadership, developing leadership, developing emotional intelligence, developing uh, uh, intelligent ways of um, working together and is um, always going to be um, a skill that will need to be cultivated um, deliberately, and I would say what's becoming more and more important and uh, critical is collaboration skills. Um, that hasn't been such of a priority before in the hierarchical um, structures, but now being collaborative, understanding how uh, teams work, how to form fast teams and disband fast teams based on the project is what's going to define how we do work. What kind of takeaways do you have for um, those people in the learning and development organizations, two or three things that they can do to start to adopt, the, be early adopters of these 
trends and or to um, really help facilitate the building of collaboration within their organization? So one, the first thing I already mentioned is to participate rather than hide from what's coming. Great point. Um, secondly, even if you don't like it, just experience it and see what it is in its own right. Secondly is listen, not judge, um, because I think that people come in with their judgments about some phenomenon that they haven't seen before and not let, you know, and, and don't let themselves understand what it's all about and what the implications are. And then I would say the third thing is learn from the newcomers into their workplace. Be really connected to this next generation of um, employees, uh, even going beyond um, beyond the workplace, but be connected to the talent market and see what's happening, um, and be an ongoing learner um, in that space. And understanding that the times when, because we spent 25 years in organizations, we had all the answers, those days are gone, and we, we're going to find ourselves that the people who are coming in actually know a lot more about certain things than we do. So it's going to be a very collaborative, very vibrant exchange that will going to um, you know, transcend um, demographic um, boundaries that um, defined the workplace before. Well, the workplace that you're describing sounds very exciting, and it sounds like the place where there's lots of opportunities and a lot of ways for people to engage and to be part of something that's transforming and changing. And I think that is a really positive um, outlook for and a great place for HR to jump in and provide processes and tools that can um, move their organizations forward to take advantages of um, the capabilities and the new economies that they're going to need to engage in to be able to, to stay, quite frankly, to stay in business, but certainly to continue to grow and to be leaders in their industries regardless of what industry they're in. I would even take it further, Kim. I think now is the time when HR can really prove their worth to the business because we're supposedly the experts about talent. We're an ex the experts about um, leadership, et cetera, and now is the time to help companies make that change and embrace what's coming, and we are the ones who should be um, consulting with our internal partners, external partners, on how to make that change and how to do um, their jobs, continue to do their jobs, deliver to the business at the same time as you are accommodating these new ways of working in transforming the business as a result. Well, and I think to that point, there, the business of human resources is actually could be recategorized as a social business, as a B2C, if you will, or a business to consumer because the customer of the human resources processes are the consumers of those uh, internal process and products that are there to build for the organization. And that's probably a real mind shift for people who have been in the traditional HR roles for periods of time. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I think this, this is exactly the time when 
HR can take the front stage, front the front seat, and uh, prove to the business. And I think this is going to be the 21st century where HR will come into its own right. and uh, and um, you know play the role that we are from the very beginning we're designed to play. I think that's fabulous. And I noticed in a, in a pre previous uh, presentation that you had done, you had uh, a quote from uh, two colleagues that I have worked with off and on over the years, and uh, John Boudreaux and Ian Ziskin, where they talk about lead, mm-hmm. follow, or get out of the way. And I think mm-hmm. it's critical that HR kind of step into that role right now and be the people who are putting those human capital and people processes in place that allow the organization to really um, expand. Thank you for listening to the Workforce Show today. This is one of our programs in the executive series on talent management. Listen to this and our other programs by visiting soundcloud.com forward slash the workforce show. And we hope you join us again. Thank you.